Hi, Pamela. I'm excited about this one. Oh, me too. (laughs) This is is a really good one. This one is called Murder or Suicide. Ooh. And the reason I call it that is I'm not sure which it is. Okay. But it is a fascinating case. I got this case. This was one of Jack's cases. Of course, because it was a murder thing. So most of those, sure. most of those were with Jack. Yeah. I go and meet this kid. I call him a kid because he was, how like 30 years old. That's young. Yes. That's young. To be in, especially to be in this kind of trouble, that's really young. And it's way uh, younger than my own children. So yes. 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 And <laughs> they're a kid. <laughs> yeah. He's a kid. So I go meet him in jail. Because on a murder case, you really have to post a lot of bail to get out. And they brought him to me, and I was very surprised. He was such a nice, like, nice-looking kid. Not that he was so handsome, but so nice-looking, like, very pleasant, yeah. very soft-spoken, just seemed very, very mild-mannered. Okay. So I started interviewing him like I always do, like, hey, A to Z, how did you end up in this place? Mm-hmm. what happened now the police had their own theories why they came to the conclusion of murder they said that he had a motive that he had taken out a two hundred thousand dollar insurance policy on his wife and okay. yeah i think when you're 30 years old two hundred thousand is i mean two hundred thousand is a lot of money and it's a, a right. real lot of money when you're 30 yes i agree and they owned their house they They were both working for a really cool company in the county that they lived in and that company had a lot of benefits and one of the, they not only had some health gotcha. not just health okay. insurance but life insurance and yeah. so why wouldn't you sign up correct like that's a great benefit right. yeah but here's what's interesting when i interviewed him about this and i'm looking through and and he here's what happened let let me tell you what happened first and then i'll explain okay. this so she had been shot she painted her toenails And then she drew herself a bath. They were arguing. My client admits that they had been arguing. When they were arguing, he'd been drinking. I don't know if she had been drinking or not that night. I don't, that was never really clear to me. But, but we know that he was, and I think he was pretty drunk. And, you know, people, I've never known anyone to get smarter when they drink. No, and I've, that's a good point. And, <laughs> you don't get smarter. I've never known them. I've played a lot of clubs, uh-huh. and, and I've never seen anyone get I've, smarter I've either. I've never seen anyone get smarter. But you think you're smarter. That's the dangerous part. <laughs> that's, exactly. That is the most dangerous you think part. You're all that. Not only yes. do you think you're smarter, you think you're funnier. Uh-huh. You think like more handsome, yep. more beautiful, yep. and that you're like yes. 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 Well, it's funny because I don't drink, but I played in clubs forever. Mm-hmm. And people would like, sometimes they would offer like alcohol to the band or like, hey, we're buying you uh-huh. guys around. And I'd always say, oh, thank you. I'll just have like a club soda or something. Yeah. And uh-huh. they get so offended. And mm-hmm. I tell them, yeah, I mean, I'm Mormon. But the other part of that is I've been playing in clubs since I was 15 and I've seen a mm-hmm. lot of it and never... Ever once have I seen anyone get smarter while they were drinking. (laughs) It it doesn't work that way. And two do not go hand in hand. And I need all the help I could get. So I am not (laughs) I am not going to do that. So (laughs) 
Uh, That's hysterical. So he had been drinking, and and he was drunk. I will say we. I don't know what the alcohol level was. They never tested. I don't him. know. Yeah. But he was drunk, not like falling over drunk, but slurred speech drunk. He was lit. He was mm-hmm. lit. So they're arguing. She's mad. She goes in their bedroom because they shared mm-hmm. a room. Because actually, some couples don't. So I wanted to make that clear. Uh-huh. She paints her toenails, and then she goes and gets in the bathtub and locks the door because she says, "Stay away from me. I don't want to. I don't want to mm-hmm. hear this anymore." Well, being the drunk, probably jackass that he was, mm-hmm. he went and got something and picked the lock on the bathroom. Yeah, he, he was not done with the conversation. He was not done. So he admits that he picked the lock and went in there. And she was really mad. And she yelled at him. This is all according to him because she's not around to tell us this. But she yells at him and says, like, what are you doing in here? I I wanted to be alone. Get out. So he's mad. He's like, okay, fine. You don't want to talk to me anymore. I'm leaving. So, So he leaves. And he goes down in the kitchen. And he's like, fine, I'll just make something to eat then. Well, wow. and that's always good too. Yeah, to we, become a chef when you yeah, that is, we got a that's lot. That's the of, next stop. Yeah. Yeah. So he's in the kitchen and he's just getting ready to cook. And a few minutes later, he hears this pop, like a firework going off. Yeah. And they had recently they'd had some kids in the neighborhood that were, and they owned their house. They had some kids that were coming and like vandalizing the house, like shooting paintball sure. stuff at the house. So his first thought was, was that it? Yeah. Was, it, was that one of those? And he turns around and looks like as he turns around, her body just collapses to the ground. Okay, now wait a minute. She was in the tub and he'd gone into the kitchen. Is this a Rambler style? Like everything's on one floor or was she coming downstairs or how did he turn around and all of a sudden she was there? Where did she? There are stairs. Okay. And the kitchen was down the stairs, but the, the stairs were just up from the kitchen is where and the bedroom was upstairs the bedroom and the bathroom were upstairs so she's come down the stairs and then nope. he just nope. oh she's still upstairs okay and it's not not terribly long like only a few minutes maybe maybe 15 minutes after he had been in there i don't know that we really have a good gauge of that because as we said he's drunk right and when you're drunk you lose yeah. all kinds of cognitive ability and so his time gauge is probably off a bit, okay. but, but it was more than just a, a minute. Okay. So when he left the bathroom, he goes downstairs, he starts cooking, he hears a pop and he turns around at, but you can see like that uh, at the top of the stairs. Oh, from, gotcha. It's okay. a small house. Okay. It's a, it is a small house. Okay. It's actually pretty small. Okay. And he sees that she is like on the ground, dropped to the ground. Okay. He runs to her. And she is, there is blood everywhere. Oh, I bet. And he's freaking out. He calls 911. The 911 call, he is frantic. Like, someone shot my wife. Because now you can see that there is blood coming from her head. Okay. He sees that that's where the blood is coming from. The gun, actually, when the gun was found, because you'd think, oh, well, if she just shot herself, it's got to drop. the gun would be right there. The gun was actually eight feet away. We're not sure why. Okay. If he had kicked it when he went up there, like not knowing it, we don't know. Okay. And he can't remember. He can't remember. He's just frantic seeing that she's on the ground and there's blood around her. Sure. And so he calls 911. He's freaking out. I need an ambulance. 
I think that maybe there was a drive-by shooting. Like, he really is thinking maybe a shot came in from outside, came through the wall, the, the window, something. And EMTs arrive within minutes. They try to revive her. They take her out. And he he has blood all over his hands. Sure. And he's so, so freaked out. And they escort him to the hospital as a courtesy. Well, <laughs> number one, remember, he's drunk. Right. I'm sure yeah, they, they recognized yes. that he was drunk. Yes. And two, they just would give as a courtesy when someone is that upset sure. that they would drive them. As they're driving him, he's crying and he's saying, like, I can't believe this. She would never commit suicide. She, it must, there must have been a bullet come from outside. I can't believe she would ever kill herself. Right. She wouldn't do that. I know. And she, he keeps repeating that. And he's like, drive faster because the ambulance, of course, is already gone ahead. Mm-hmm. And he's yelling at the detectives, like, drive faster. Like, if you don't drive faster, I'm, I'm going to kill you. Like, he started threatening the cops. Like, you better have saved her life or I'm coming after you guys. Oh, gotcha. And I actually have a recording of that. And I want to play that. So he's. this is the threat in the police car. Okay. What he says is, like, if she dies, I'm coming after you guys. Mm-hmm. You Can't you drive any faster? You got to drive faster. So... They thought that was really odd, but the town, this was in Utah County, which is south of Salt Lake City. Mm-hmm. Salt Lake doesn't have a ton of murders, and Utah County has fewer than that. Right, right. So part of it, I wonder, like, is this just small town cops? But I I don't know. Right. I don't know. It certainly was an odd response of him right. to make. So he's at the hospital. They can't save her. Okay. They try... And then they come and tell him, like, we're really sorry. We couldn't save her. She's gone. So then they take Conrad. His name is Conrad. So they take Conrad to the police station to question him. He still has blood all over both hands. I mean, it's clear up to his elbows. Sure. It's a lot of blood. I mean, it's in the summertime, so he has a short sleeve shirt on. So it's, like, on his skin. Now, you need to know, both Conrad and Heidi, his wife, both of them were gun enthusiasts. Uh, Yes. Strong Second Amendment. Okay. Yes. Mm -hmm. And they both would go shoot guns. They they owned guns. They had guns in the house. This was no surprise at all that there was a gun in the house. When he gets to the police station, they start questioning him. When they start, they said, hey, you got to wash your hands. Go go wash up. And he says to them, please swab my hands for gun residue. Swab my hands. He asks them three times, swab my hands, swab my hands. One detective orders him to go wash his hands. And he said, no, like swab my hands first. Yeah, why wouldn't they? Again, I wonder if it's small town stuff and they just weren't thinking correctly. Oh. So I kind of, I don't think that just washing your hands would wash all that residue off. That's pretty hefty stuff. But, but either way. Why didn't they just swab it while he's right there? And, with, and, he like, and he's requesting like, it. Please do this. Please do this. Yes. Yeah. Please do this. I I want you to know I didn't do this to my wife. Please do this. So he washes his hands on their orders. Because when you're in custody for questioning, it's not like you get to just choose like what you're doing. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> like you're not, you're not in charge. <laughs> You are not in charge uh-uh. in that city. Uh-uh. So when he washed his hands first before the gun residue test, I am totally going to blame them for that. Yes. That's on them. Shame on you. Yes. So they swab his hands. 
And they swab his wife's hands at the hospital also. Now, I'll talk about that stuff later, but they do a swab. And when they interview him, I have a clip of that. Let me see. Wait a minute. Did you say they did not swab his hands or they did? They did. Okay. did after he washed his hands. Okay. So here is another clip. Okay. Bottom of my heart, I did not kill my wife. Yeah, I did not kill my wife. So, and he was absolutely adamant, emphatically denying that he did that and that he was innocent. And okay. so after his interview, and they interview him for a few hours, and then they release him. He's released for like 10 months. And oh, you're kidding. No, because the medical examiner, when the medical examiner goes through he and he sees where her wound is, it's on her right side. She was right-handed. The gun was found six feet to eight feet from her where her body fell. Typically on a suicide, it falls right below you. But, like, again, we don't know right. what happened if he ran over it. Mean, we just don't know. So because of that, when the medical examiner did the autopsy and he was determining what it was, his conclusion was the cause of death could not... I mean, the cause of death was the gunshot, of course. Sure. But the gunshot wound, but... The cause, meaning whether self-inflicted or murder, he said it could not be determined. Oh, interesting. For okay. 10 months. And, and the medical examiners carry a lot of weight. We learned sure. that a while back when we were talking right. about Pedro's case. That's a lot of weight they can push around. And, right. and their opinion is very big. So for 10 right. months, it wasn't really going anywhere. The lead detective on the case was bound and determined that this guy did it. Something didn't feel right. I think he did it. I'm going to continue pursuing this. So he took it to the DA's office because that's how criminal cases work. The police do their work. Then they take it. They do what we call screening it for the DA's office. They present all their evidence to the DA. It's actually a screening team and they'll have different kinds of teams. They'll have like sex assault team. They'll have a murder team, child abuse. Sure. And so the detectives, they'll bring their case to them. And this whole team will listen to the evidence they have, and then they will dis- determine whether there's enough evidence that if they take this to trial, they could get a guilty verdict or not. Okay. So when the detective screened this case at the DA's office, the DA that was assigned to the case said he believed the detective. I agree. We can do this. Mm-hmm. We can win this case. I think it's murder, and we can get it done. So let's charge him. And they char- filed a murder charge. And Conrad was arrested just like without incident. He was not violent, not aggressive at all. Mm-hmm. And Jack gets hired. He calls me. Then I get in in the case. Now, when I look at the evidence of what happened uh-huh. and, and I meet Conrad, you know what? I didn't know. I didn't know what to oh, think. Okay. I said, why would she kill herself? She was a young, beautiful woman, had a good job. She's married and you know did they have any children no children he said well you know at first I was really thinking no way would she commit suicide no way Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and as time went on it just it didn't make sense to me because I knew I didn't kill her and I knew we had argued but I didn't realize that she was in that place I knew she was really upset because she'd struggle with depression at times And part of her depression, it was pretty deep seated. She had some real issues with her family. Her, she didn't know who her father was. 
Okay. And we kind of think that her mother knew who her father was. <laughs> oh, <Okay>. yeah, maybe. <laughs> it depends on whether you were sober or drunk. That's true. We're getting and how smart you really were. We're getting back to the alcohol thing again. Yes. <laughs> and the mother, she would never okay. tell Heidi who the father was. Interesting. And she would never even tell her why. And this was a real source of pain for her. I can understand that. I think I'd be pretty upset with my mother for doing that to me. I mean, if, for- but the thing is, is is she protecting her because maybe he is incarcerated or you yeah? Know. But you'd think you'd say or, that, yeah? Wouldn't you or, say that? Like, or maybe she really doesn't know. Maybe she slutted around. Maybe you know what I mean. Yeah. I mean, seriously, right? No, 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 no. she I, doesn't really know. I totally agree. Multiple different partners. I mean, you just, yeah. Yeah, you don't know. And it would have uh, been very helpful. Had or what she, if she was raped? Right. You just, I mean, you can go a lot of different directions on this. I've seen an interview with the mother. Okay. And I don't know for a fact, but what I do know is I think she was really, really squirrely to say the least, if not okay. completely deceptive about that issue. Oh, okay. Because... They denied that Heidi had any kind of emotional distress from this issue. Like issues with it or stress? Yeah, they're like, oh, no, she has no problem at all. She was such a happy kid. I'm like, really? Because her friend, I I interviewed a friend of hers, and her friend said, yeah, Heidi, she would go into depression sometimes. She'd done it since we were young. She would really go in a bad place because she didn't have a dad. Okay. She didn't have a dad around. She and she didn't know where to even turn. Like what? Because her mother, when she'd ask questions, so it was kind of like being like double screwed over, right? <laughs> because yeah. by both your parents. Because one, the dad's not there, and two, the mom won't tell you a thing about him, right? So, and and it depends on where you are in your life of the importance of that, right? Exactly. Yeah. But you know, they really did seem happy. In fact, the way they got married is really cool. I actually have pictures of it. I'll post it on Facebook and Instagram. The photos, like they got married at the top of a ski resort here in Utah. Oh yeah. In the summertime. Okay. And so everyone to get to the actual ceremony had to take the ski lift to the top of the mountain. Okay. And they did the ceremony and then the guests because I don't know if people know this, but in the summertime in Utah, the, the ski resorts, of course, you can't ski on them. Right. The resorts will do stuff like you can ride your, go mountain biking down the hill, or they have what they call like an alpine slide, which is like right. a cement slide. And you get in these race car things and, and ride them down. Uh-huh. Oh my gosh, they are so fun. <laughs> they are. I love it. They are. I totally uh-huh. love it. Yeah. You can go so fast. It's pretty, it's a pretty uh-huh. wild ride. And you have like this stick that you control. Whether, like, you can put the brakes on or you can just sure. open it, it up to fly. Yeah. And when yeah. my family, when we would go, we would have contests to see sure you did. who <laughs> could do it without ever pulling the brakes. Yes. <laughs> like, or they could, the ride the ski, they could ride the ski lift down. Right. But who, those are wusses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they do that. <laughs> All, but So the wedding party, actually, a lot of people in their wedding party literally took that slide down fun but the bride and groom did not i'm sure because the dress would be sure. dangerous uh-huh. <laughs> to, to get, flip you out yeah, exactly. over <laughs> exactly do not be in a body cast on your honeymoon yes so <laughs> yeah that's not the best way to start they took the lift back down 
and gotcha. and I've got pictures, and it's really cool to see all of that. But it's always stunning to me that you know I know life has ups and downs, and and we can go from really high to to feeling so low. Sure. Whether whether it was suicide or murder, it's uh-huh. just sad to see how happy they were and how excited they were to have life together, and then. How did they get to oh, this place? Yes. It went so sideways. Yes. Mm-hmm. So the DA and the detective decide, we know this is murder and we're going to pursue it. So they prepared a 96-page PowerPoint presentation to give to wow. the medical examiner. And they took photos of the house. They took all the evidence that they had. And initially, their evidence was, like I mentioned, that insurance policy that he had taken out from work through her. Well, did he have one on himself? If something happened to him, she would end up with. That's a great question. So when I interviewed him, I asked him, same question. Did you have insurance on you? Did you have it on her? And he said, actually, I declined the insurance. They offered it to us through work, but it was going to cost us a little bit. It was not very much, but it was a little bit. So he declined it. He said we were young and healthy. And I just thought, I don't think we need this. And it's just an expense we can't afford. So he declined the insurance. Because it was offered to them, the police assumed that he had taken it. Uh, But they were wrong. Okay. And I actually followed up. And he told me about the gun residue test. He said, hey, they swiped my hand. Okay. He said I had to beg them to do it. I really had to coax and plead. But they did. They finally did the the swab of my hand for gun residue. And I haven't seen the test. And I said, yeah, of course they have it. Let me get it. So I leave that interview with Conrad and I'd interviewed, I'd been there a few times. And during that process, I got to know him better. And he was very, very consistent, always easygoing, Mm -hmm. mild mannered, like, okay, well this, they can't possibly believe that I would kill my wife. I loved her with all my heart. And I said, well, what is your relationship like with her mother and stuff? And he said, you know, it was okay. It wasn't great Uh with her mom and her sister. But mostly that was because she didn't have a great relationship with her mom and her sister. Oh, And that that made sense to me. Yeah, especially she doesn't know where she's come from. She doesn't know her dad. Her mom's blowing her off. It might cause some friction. And that, who knows, just on a normal day to day. Okay. Yeah. So he said, I wasn't terribly close to them. And then this happened and they blamed me. And initially they blamed him that he he didn't make her happy and that it was suicide. And then when the police talked to them, then they were very quick to jump on board. Like, yeah, I think, I think he killed her. Yeah. So we, as we're preparing for the case, I contacted his company and I learned that he was telling the truth. He in fact declined the insurance. So there was no big insurance policy. There was no payout for him. In fact, he'd lost half of the income to survive and pay the house payment and everything else by losing her. Wow. I explained that to Jack and I said, hey, I can't see. I've looked all through the file and I can't see this gun residue test in the file. We need to get the gun residue test because Conrad says they they wiped his hand and there's no way there'd be gun residue on his hand. Like, yeah, we need to check this out. Right. And Jack said, no, not right now. He said, we'll do it later. Okay. So I'd go meet with Conrad and Conrad would say, hey, we've got to check the gun residue because that test is there and that would clear me. Right. And I th- I felt the same way. Not that it's 100%, but it's pretty, yeah, pretty dang yeah, close. Yeah, I mean, if yeah. y- you could make an argument that he'd washed his hands, but 
still, if well, and the other thing is, at least there was something there. If you don't have anything, you have no base, right? Right. Know? So exactly. Yeah. So yeah, I asked Jack not once but multiple times. Can I please request the gun mm-hmm. residue test from the police? Conrad swears that they took a test, and Jack kept putting me off. No, not now. Not now. We'll do it later. Uh. In the meantime. I got hired to do an investigation of the attorney general for the state of Utah. It was a really big case. And it was, I like, I literally had to promise them that that is the only case that I would be doing that, or at least I'd give them like 90% of my time. Jack is a kind of an emotional guy. (laughs) And Uh I said, I could still finish up the Conrad investigation and help. I'd be there. I, I probably couldn't be there for the trial. That would be too time consuming, but I could, get it ready. And I could see why Jack would want to switch to someone else at that point. So Jack, I think, I think he was a little bit emotional that kind of okay. like that. I got so big that the legislators had right. hired me. I, right. I, I, that sounds kind of petty, but I really do think he was a little petty about it. Yeah. So I never worked for on the Conrad case again, but I really did care about what was happening. And I was curious. Sure. So I followed it. And they went to trial without me. I didn't hear one more thing because when I started working on the attorney general case, Jack actually ended up representing a big player in that investigation. And so I literally like we were not supposed to talk about that at all. And Jack wanted to make sure everyone knew we were not talking at all. So Jack stopped talking to me about any of that at that time. He took it literally. (laughs) Yeah, he took it literally. He's like, wait. Wait, I don't know yeah. you. Back Wait, up. Pam who? Oh, wow. That's yeah, funny. I don't, I don't know you. Yeah. What? Well, well, <laughs> yeah. So I was getting the rest of my information on the news. And Conrad's case was big in the news. I saw Jack was at trial alone. I didn't see another investigator sitting at table with him, which is usually what I do. Sit next to him in okay. trial, in between him and our client, sure. the defendant. And they, I, the trial was like a four-day trial. Yeah. The jury came back guilty. Did they ever do the test? I didn't know because I didn't, I could, you know, news covers parts of it, but the parts that I want right before the the trial, it had been in the news that he had hit this big insurance policy on her and everything else. Well, when I showed that that was not part of the case, they just went quiet on that issue and still pursued the murder, which is okay, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So then time comes for sentencing. And the judge sentences him to 16 years to life at the state prison. Uh, I am thinking, crap, I don't think they ever used the gun residue stuff. Yeah. I didn't see an investigator there. I'm really worried that Conrad didn't get the proper defense. And so at sentencing, Conrad made a statement. And usually the statements are like, I'm really sorry. Mm-hmm. And, and Jack, we'll go through their statement with them. Because we'll say, hey, it's sentencing today. You've got to make a statement and you've been convicted. So if you come here and say, I'm not guilty, the judge is really going to hammer you because the jury has found you guilty. And I don't know if I suspect Jack probably told him like, hey, I agree. We got screwed on this deal. I don't know that because I I wasn't involved. What I know is. Jack would typically tell him not to say that I didn't do this, but here is his statement from the sentencing. Conrad Truman, listen to him, please. I can't say sorry for something I did not do. 
I understood speaking out would make it way worse. But I was like, I don't know. I was like, to hell with this. I need to speak my mind. Let me kill my wife. There's just no way. There'd be some proof. I would be. You better look at it. I did. That's what I'm doing to my proof. Okay. You know, this is just a big injustice. Wow. Yeah. So the fact that he even said that makes me think that Jack felt the same, that they had gotten it wrong. Mm -hmm. Because usually we're pretty adamant, like, hey. Don't do that. Yeah. (laughs) Don't do that. It's time to just face your demons here. Right. So after his statement, the judge sentences him to 16 years to life at the state prison. I think he was absolutely stunned. And I saw in the news stuff, it showed after sentencing, and he turns back and looks. His dad and his sister were there to support him on their side of the courtroom. Of course, Heidi's family's on the other side of the courtroom. And after he was sentenced, he looked back at his sister and kind of did. It's hard to explain the expression, but he looked at her. It wasn't a smile because he was absolutely distraught, but it was kind of like, I'll be okay. And then he winked at her like, I'm okay. Yeah. Like, because he was handcuffed, of course, and they were yeah. getting ready to right. take him into custody. So he goes to the state prison, and he was in prison for, oh, man. He was in custody for almost a year waiting for trial. Okay. And he was in prison for a couple years before, it, Well, and his dad, here's what's amazing. And I see this all the time in the defense world. Parents will do anything for their kids, even if their kids are bad kids and they're doing bad stuff. Right. I have seen parents mortgage their homes to get a good defense for their kid, even if their kid's guilty and they know their kid's guilty. And, and sometimes they don't know their kid's guilty and the kid knows they're guilty. (laughs) To me, I'm like, "Uh, really? Are you sure you think that's the right thing to take your parents' money when you you know know what you did? Yeah. Yeah, Like, come on. That's uh, like, anyway. So the family, the dad had already, we know Jack is like a hundred grand for a murder case and they didn't want to use Jack again. And I don't know if Jack, Jack doesn't really do appeals anyway, Okay. but they went and found some other lawyers and oh my gosh, was I impressed with the work that they did. Oh really? They hired these other lawyers. I don't know what they charged, but whatever it was, it was worth it. They did an incredible job defending Conrad. To the point, like, it is really, really difficult to get a new trial for someone. Yes. If you've been convicted, it is, you have to have new evidence. You've got to have, a, like, something substantial or, like, such a horrible defense in right. your first trial that like, it has to be really, really big. And in this case, he, they, the two lawyers that they hired, they said, okay, we'll look at it. And one of the first things that they did was go to the house and actually take the crime scene Pictures, mock up yeah. the picture, not the pictures, the mock up that the detective did, and check it out, see if it fits. Okay. Does this make sense? What Conrad said, or because here's what the argument was with the police. The police said, and this became like one of the biggest factors in the case. There were two factors that got these guys, so they got a new trial. Okay, and the first one was this: the detective argued. He said there is absolutely no way that she got out of the tub, shot herself, and then walked like eight feet to be where she landed. And if she just came out of the bathroom and then walked eight feet to be closer to where Conrad was, right? Because he was in the kitchen. And it's true. It was a few to several feet from the bathroom door. 
So that is correct. But Conrad never said he didn't see her put the gun to her head no. and shoot herself. No. He had his back and he heard a pop. Right. And he thought it was a firework or a like paintball or something. A paintball yeah. because they'd had that issue. Right. When he turned and then saw her on the ground, then he runs to her and sees she's bleeding, and then he realizes she's been shot in the head. Right. So, of course, the police looked. There was no hole in the wall. Sure. The, the window was not broken. Right. There was nothing consistent with that. And the gun was in the house, so sure. there's no question it was in the house. So, as but he, the first thing that struck these new defense lawyers was that, and it was a, a man and a woman team, and it was their names were Mark and Annie. Man, they did a great job. Their first thought when they got in the house was, wow, this house is really small. Okay. And so the, as they're reading, because the detectives will make like a mock-up, like a, almost like a like architect. A little, or like, like a little a, diorama that you would make at school kind of a thing. Exactly. Okay. And so as the detective did that, they started looking at like, wow, the detective said like from the bathroom to the top of the stairs it's 13.9 feet and there's no way that she could have walked 13 feet after she'd shot herself okay well they literally got measuring tape and started measuring all these things themselves yeah and here's what happened the detective made a mistake oh it was 139 inches from the bathroom door to where she fell and somehow when they transposed it from his notes to the actual diagram uh-huh, that they made, uh-huh. instead of 139 inches, it they turned that into 13.9 feet. Oh, and, gotcha. And in other places where instead of it being, there was another measurement like from the bedroom door to the bathroom door, mm-hmm. 33 inches, that got transposed into 3.3 feet. Gotcha. So the measurements were completely off. off. Not just oh, a little, but wow. like. Huge. How important is that decimal point? Yes. yes. Yeah, there are you math teachers yes. out there? Yes, yes. Math, <laughs> math can be. It makes important. a difference in your bank account, and it makes a hell of a difference in a murder trial. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, know where to put that decimal point. <laughs> yes, yeah. So, here's. Yeah, your PI tip of the day is yes. know your math, <laughs> know your decimal points. <laughs> Exactly. Oh my gosh. When they said that the math would be important later yeah. in life, it really does, <laughs> it does. get important sometimes. Bank account and, and a murder. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So pay attention in math that's class, right. kiddos. Exactly. <laughs> yes. So that was one of their big concerns. The other concern was this the police. When they did the gun residue test. Yeah. The GSR, they call it. Remember, I harped and harped about that to Jack. And he kept putting me off, kept putting me off. Well, the new attorneys, Mark and Annie, what they learned about that test was, it's true. Conrad was telling the truth. They had done, swiped his hand, and they had actually done a a GSR swipe on Heidi's hand. Okay. And here's what they learned. There was no gun residue on conrad's hand okay and in heidi's right hand there was gun residue oh there was there was how did was how did did the detective miss that they well what you ask a lot of questions you're kind of annoying shelly you're always like what 
<laughs> How can you miss gun residue on the, the you know what? I, prob- I probably need to get a co-host that's not as smart as you. <laughs> because you always figure out my oh, big, like, before I get to the ta so here's here's my big ta-da moment. Uh, yeah, yeah. As if it has the same yeah, it, impact as it would have. The police never sent the tests to the lab. Oh, so then the so then the detectives wouldn't, of course, they would never have seen it because it hadn't been tested. Well, oh, they they had the but test. Shame on you. They had the test, but they didn't run the test through. They never processed. That's what it. I mean. Yes, shame on them. But then shame on you for not following your exactly. own lead. Exactly. Exactly. And your own process. And this is what I'm telling you. I see this happen a lot with detectives. They decide a theory. They decide, oh, this is what it is. And it is so hard to get them to look at anything else. Right. So they decided they had him. And literally, look, think about it. They went to a murder trial and got a conviction without even having the test. Because his attorney hadn't demanded it. And, uh, and I was apparently just incredibly annoying, which I probably was. I, I will concede. I probably was. <laughs> well, you were asking for things like whatever. Yeah. Like, let me have your process. Yeah. yeah well, you guys what the hell, little follow, blonde girl? Yeah. Yeah. Miss, yeah. miss annoying me. So uh-huh. with those two things, Mark and Annie took those two facts to the medical examiner and said, okay. we want you to look at this. And they showed him, hey, the in, the space is not right. Oh, uh-huh. oh, oh, I missed a very important fact. When, remember, the medical examiner initially had determined, we knew that it was that a gunshot wound that had killed her and to well, her he head. Couldn't he couldn't that. determine whether it was suicide or murder. And so he, he just left it. It could not be determined. Right. Remember, the, de- the detective and the prosecutor, the DA, Took that took ninety. All that they took it all to, to the medical examiner and showed him the ninety-six page point presentation. Right. And when he, after they were done with him, he changed the the cause of death to murder. So okay. Now Mark and Annie get involved, and they took and it they back take to the it. Same they guy. go back to the same guy, and they just took the two things: the measurements uh-huh. were wrong, and the gun residue, and. The medical examiner didn't just take their word for it. This is, I was very impressed with this. He actually went to the house himself. Good. And did his own measurements. And he concluded that it is possible for Heidi to have shot herself and fallen where she fell. And for the gun to have fallen where it fell. It's not his job to do the gun where the gun would fall. But it is his job because what they knew is with the wound that she had, it would be impossible uh-huh. for her to have taken more than like one step. Like it right. game over. You would have to have been in forward yes. motion to even take another yes. step. Gotcha. Yes. Yeah. Your body's going to collapse. So, right. so at that t- point, the medical examiner changed the cause of death from murder back to, to could not be determined. Oh, but he wouldn't say suicide. No, he changed it okay. back to could not be determined because he wasn't, okay. he wasn't certain. Sure. Okay. Okay. That's fair. That's, I think okay. that's totally fair. Yeah. In my mm-hmm. entire career, I've never seen a medical examiner change the cause of death. Not once, but twice. But twice. So wow. with those things, those the uh-huh. two facts and the change of the cause of death. So we've got three things now. Mark and Annie filed an appeal to get a new trial. They got the appeal. Oh my gosh. They got a new trial. Okay. 
Okay. And then they, they have to pick a jury again. This time, they changed the prosecutor because they thought, we need fresh eyes on this. Let's get a, a new prosecutor. So they bring a new prosecutor in. I know that prosecutor because I've gone up against him on another case. I don't dislike the prosecutor. I don't think he's dishonest. Mm-hmm. But I do believe he is very, very prejudiced and biased to the prosecution side of things. I think most prosecutors are. Sure, that's your job. Yeah, but I think he does it, like, to a fault. Gotcha. Like, he'll almost ignore facts, ignore ignore evidence. Because this is our side, and we... This is what we want. Okay. So, his name was Tim. He was the prosecutor. He takes it to trial. And anytime you have a case that goes through two trials, both sides get smarter and better in the second trial. Sure, sure. And they go through another four-day trial... Of course, the DA's office bring all the police in to, te- to testify. They play the recordings of him threatening the police. And it's odd. It is absolutely odd behavior. I, mm-hmm. but I. He's frantic and he's drunk. He's frantic and he's not drunk. excusing no, his. No, does not excuse it. And he just came out of a fight with his wife. So he's amped up anyway. He is. So and, those three and things. And now she's like bleeding yeah. to death. And he's got yes. her blood all yeah. over his hands and arms. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when we say you got blood all over your hands, he literally had blood all over his hands. Right. That I can't imagine the emotion and the how horrible, yeah, how horrific that Just would the feel. Sheer terror and the yeah. yeah. So the detectives all testified. They all testify that something felt really odd with this guy. Sure. It didn't feel right. And of course, the defense puts on their case and they bring the medical examiner. So it comes out, and the jury knows that the medical examiner's changed his mind twice. They have the lead detective on, that, and he acknowledges, like, yeah, I screwed up on the measurements. Mm-hmm. Like, not a little mm-hmm. bit. I screwed up a lot. Mm-hmm. My measurements were way off. But he testified it doesn't matter whether they were off or not. Even if they're off, mm-hmm. she still couldn't have walked that far. She couldn't have walked a few feet. The jury deliberated, and they didn't have to deliberate very long, and they came back with not guilty. Okay. Wow. Literally flip flopped. My clients, Conrad's side of the courtroom was crying tears of joy. And Heidi's side of the courtroom was they were now devastated and absolutely distraught that this that he could have gotten a new trial and that things could be reversed. How many years did he actually serve? Three years. Okay. I think a big part of it was his winning I mean, all of it. The fact that I think that Conrad had asked for the gun residue test, that mm-hmm. he requested it. If you did it, why would you ask for it? I wouldn't. Right. I would. Right. I would no be matter like, how drunk you were. I, I mean, you would not do that. I don't think you right. would do that. And, yeah. I mean, of course, we have the, the math screw up. So please know your math people. Right. And when the medical examiner testified, he testified that the cause of death could be consistent with suicide. It was, she was right-handed. The wound was to the right side Mm -hmm. of her head. Her mother, when her mother was interviewed, her mother said that there's no way Heidi would do this, that she had a friend commit suicide and she said how awful that was. Sure. And so, you know what, on this case, I think he probably didn't do it. Could I say absolutely he is innocent? I don't know. Yeah. I, I couldn't well, I say think, it. I don't think I would I think, say that. 
I think there are two things, though. If he didn't have gun residue on his hands, and I honestly don't know. I come from a family that are strong Second Amendment, but I don't know how long gun residue lasts on your hands. I don't know if you can wash it off and then, you know, five minutes later still have it on. I don't know that. But also, when when the mom is saying she would not have done this, she would not have done this, how many families have said that about their children who take their own lives? Because 99.9% of people who end up committing suicide are not in their right frame of mind anyway, or they right. would never have exactly. done that. Exactly, They would not cause that heartache to the family and I the know. people that are left. Exactly. So when she's like, she would not do that. She's not that type, but you don't know what her frame of mind was. That's exactly. That's what we don't know. Right. The only thing we have is we have a friend that says, yeah, that at times she would get depressed. Right. But everyone gets depressed at times. So, yeah. so, you know, we really don't know. The part that's really frustrating to, to me, this is what I hate that I see so often, that right. after the fact, the prosecutor still holds to the fact that he is guilty. And, and he literally says, Conrad got away with murder. Yeah. I don't think that's fair to say, but. Well, I think that's really hard also because you've asked for a, a jury trial. Yeah. And the people that have been given the information. Yeah. They're saying, no, it's not. Or yes, they are guilty, right. whichever the decision is. Right. You know, and but if you can't get that information in when you know, I mean, I know there are a lot of facts and there's a lot of technicalities in a case that you may have other information you can't get into court, then shame on the courts. Yeah. We should be able to have all the facts as a juror. Exactly. You know? And but then shame on them for mixing up the measurement. Right. And shame on, on that, on the DA. On the DA for not checking that measurement. Why didn't you go to that house? And why didn't you why do? Didn't you check why didn't you even run the gun residue test? Exactly. It was in your. It was in your. It was pile. their possession. Yeah. That was. Yeah. That, yeah. So that was shame on you, because then this trial would may not have even happened. Exactly. So the lead detective that made the math screw up that needs to uh -huh. repeat math one hundred and one. Uh -huh. um, <laughs> that uh -huh. guy. Our, our first grade math. Yes. With a decimal. And that guy says. Well, you know what? His reason, his biggest reason for believing that she was murdered instead of suicide, and this is after the fact. This is after the the acquittal and everything. Okay. He says she was naked when it happened, and women don't do that. And <laughs> well, she just got out of the tub. Yeah, and I think, yeah, I, I don't know. No, I, I don't, don't know. I don't agree with that either. I just don't know. If I'm in the frame of mind, like what about the people that kill themselves in the bathtub, like slit their wrists? Right. And like, Or, you know, if you were dressed, maybe they don't strip down to kill themselves. Right. But she was in the tub. But she had just gone from out. there. And yeah, so right. I just think, mm -hmm. and to him, that was worth putting Conrad in prison for life. It, it That just doesn't doesn't yeah. cut it for me. So yeah. this is yeah. what I love about our justice system. I saw an interview with one of the jurors after the second trial. And that juror said, you know sure. what? We thought he probably did it, that we couldn't believe it beyond a reasonable doubt. Right. And right. that's what I love about our system. Our system, <laughs> it's got problems, but it's the best system in the world. And right. if we're going to err on one side, we really should be erring on the side of caution because we're talking about taking someone's liberty away. Right. And right. we've seen all the cases of people that were wrongfully convicted. Now DNA has proven that, that it right. wasn't them. And 
it's just surprising to me that even most prosecutors, most detectives that I go up against, when I show them like, hey, there's other evidence, instead of saying, yeah, I can see how the jury would reach that verdict. They're like, oh, she was naked, though. So no one, no woman ever does that. I'm like, that's not true. Yeah. And maybe, again, maybe, maybe coming in from work, I'm not going to go in and strip down naked. Right. Right. Exactly. But I just, getting out of the tub is a completely different setting. It's different. Yeah. I don't know anybody that bathes in clothes. Right. Right. So, yeah. So so. that doesn't stand true in my head. That doesn't make any sense. So to this day, I cannot say I know for certain. Right. I personally have a reasonable doubt. And I think that justice was served on this in the second trial. And thank you to Mark and Annie for doing the right thing and fighting zealously for their client. And going back and reviewing the stuff that you have. Yeah. I mean, that's what it's like putting a puzzle together. Yeah. And look at what they found that hadn't been followed up correctly, you know. And, you know, I got thinking about I mean, I tease about the decimal point, but. 139 inches, you know, we remember that we also put just the little dashes yeah. like a, like a quotation, right? If he would have written inches or exactly, you know, it put it into feet and inches, maybe that's something that from now on he does. That's a, that's a moment I, of that will right. never happen to me again. I will write out the feet and the inches or write out inches. Yes. You know, we all learned from that, but yes, exactly. I thought this case is fascinating. And I'm it has so, so happy that he got out. I actually looked him up. I did a background, tracked him down, and mm-hmm. invited him to participate with us. But he never got back to me. So I sure. think he doesn't. And I don't blame him. This is... Like, move on with your yeah, life. Yeah, exactly. Either way, when he was in prison or out, he still lost his wife. Yep. His life will never be the same. Yep. You know? And neither will hers. Right. I mean, you know, it's a tragedy all the way exactly. around. Exactly. So thank you for listening to Pamela Private Eye.